Welcome to the, oh my God, football's almost here. Baseball started and the NBA's just around the corner. FU COVID edition in studio. Steve Fezzik, not quite keeping the same social distance. Steve, you revealed something recently that you have a hazmat suit that you wear in public. Share. Yeah, I got the mask, and I don't even know what to call it, the visor that goes over the uh, the head and extends down to about the chin level. So I've got... I uh, it's called a hazmat suit. Yeah, I got the double level of protection. Now, share with us what brought that about. Oh, the wife. <laughs> so she, so at all times you wear exactly, like you have to wear what she tells you to wear? Yes, and in these uncertain times, as- uh, but so you're saying typically no. You'd say no. I'm wearing this. I'm wearing my Journey T-shirt. <laughs> no, I pretty much. She does all the shopping, and she doesn't. Pick- so she she's like a mother to you. I'm not saying in some ways. I'm not saying she picks out my clothes for me. But there's certainly times we'll be about to go play tennis, and she's like, "You're not going to wear your cargo pants to go play tennis. Like, I can fit eight tennis balls in those cargo pockets. It's so." Um, efficient. Why? Why doesn't everybody play tennis in cargo pants? But it, that did not convince her, did it? You know, actually, this is the rare victory where she says, "You know what? I can see that," and she's uh, she's come come around on the cargo pants. So, with your amazing level of logic, that's a rare victory. I'll take it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. We really got to figure out. You know how they, you know, a lot of people back in the day they had like death pools. Is when are you gonna snap? And like, what would the result be? Snap, snap. That's what happened. Like when, when you is that an RJ term? Snap. I've never heard that. What? What? <laughs> you never heard that someone's gonna snap? Never. That's Ma- like the most common expression for back up. I mean, it's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, he finally snapped. Matt, you're. You're not talking to the mic. We're not hearing you. Oh, yeah. It's very common, unlike my brain today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's hilarious. What? Snap! Give me you're, a movie reference where they reference Snap. Well, you've only seen nine movies, so it has to be one yeah, of them? In the 80s. Oh. <laughs> with Michael Douglas in it. Well, Fez is obviously making this contentious, so let's get started. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about today? NFL players, Patriots. What is the elephant in the room wearing a hoodie? Now, and what does it say about the NFL in general? What does it say about COVID in general? We've done some recaps. We're going to do like a 60-second version of these recaps each week on the Dream Preview. So what are we doing on Straight Out of Vegas? We're doing like eight minutes, one team a day, 32 through one. And by some great happenstance, the last day will be the day before the season kicks off. Yes. Now, on air, on Fox, I said the following. I said, hmm, that reminds me of what are the odds that Lou Gehrig would have died of Lou Gehrig's disease? Jonas, like, ran for the hills. <laughs> he, he was so thought, I was like, so, does that, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I have a great sense of political correctness, but Matt, what do you think of that? That's oh, a solid example of a comic tautology. <laughs> tautology? Ah. Now, that is lifted from Christopher Maltesante, but still. 
Most things are lifted, not necessarily from Christopher. We're going to do 60 seconds of the eight minutes here, but then whenever we have 10 teams, which will be the 10th day, we're going to have a special podcast wrapped up. You get it all. So you can hear it live on Fox, 225 station. Also, you can hear it um, on the Fox podcast. You can hear it here in the one-minute version with our weekly show and then the special edition. But that reinforces you've got to. In fact, you're making a mistake if you don't subscribe. Most of you have subscribed. And one of the most common feedbacks I get is, boy, RJ, I went a while, I didn't subscribe. I did. And I know exactly when things are out. There's so many advantages. But the two main ones is when a new, even if it's the scheduled weekly is released, you know when, pretty much when it happens. And then number two, when there's an unexpected bonus, you don't miss it because sometimes those are topical. Subscribe, now's the time. Also, we're going to start having, I think, evidence revealed to us about home field advantage. A lot of people attempting to create analogs with soccer in Europe and such. Yeah, but in America, we like to see American evidence. We got a little bit when it comes to baseball. And other of the changes, the Marlins, obviously, with the, the COVID. NBA, the Clippers. On one hand, a drastic line move. On the other hand... The market doesn't care. And Diamond Dave Essler, the translucent one, the hitman, and Fez all with best bets. So, Fez, you love, 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 love the genius. What is the takeaway from six Patriots opt out? The Patriot way may not work nearly as well when a te- the team is projected to be a little bit better than average versus contending for a Super Bowl. You, you mentioned it, six guys opted out. There's only been 28 guys in the NFL to opt out. That's, uh, what, just under one per team to have six guys suddenly bail. And, of course, many of them have good reasons to do so and the like. What you do you have- mean? What, what, what are the good reasons? Take them off. Uh, Cannon, the, left the tackle, had cancer before. Okay. High tower. Well, hold on. So, what is? How does that have to do with this? Like that—that that person's more susceptible to, to COVID, and um, if he caught COVID, to other health issues. All right, I can see that. Go ahead. High tower just had baby. So High Tower just had baby. <laughs> High Tower had a baby. I don't know <laughs> if he's had it yet or not, but uh, he's not having any baby. Yes. <laughs> Let's start there. His significant other is having a baby or has just had one, and that's his reason. So it seems. So that, that's what you consider the good reason? They're both good reasons. You think so? You think it's a good reason that you don't go to your job because you had a kid? The country would stop if that were the case, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. So why do you think it's that's, a good reason? It's not as nearly as good a reason. No, no, but why do you think it even rises to being anything other than total... BS. Well, I think that going home when you're possibly exposed to this virus and maybe giving it to your newborn child, I can see that being a concern as a parent. Okay. So, as a parent, I'm a parent. Well, listen. I mean, is your voice cracking when you say I'm a parent? I mean, we should be crying about that, not you. 
<laughs> well, it seems to me that all it would take, I mean, these players are going to be tested, you know, and if you want to get, te- and again, how much money is Hightower going to make in a year if he were to play, right? Many millions of dollars. I think eight million, yeah. Yeah. So all it would take is when you're out and about, let's say the travel or the day of the game, because he's been practicing and everything, or they've been, uh, let's just say this, I don't think that for, until now through February, the Hightower's not going to leave the house. So to some degree, the theory is, okay, if I'm doing this and this and this, traveling, all this stuff, the risk goes up, right? No doubt. So why not do this? Why not say, okay, when we're back from a road trip, I'm going to do a one-day quarantine, whereas he takes the test right when he gets mm. back, hang out at the hotel for a day. So, yeah, over the course of the year, there might be 16 days. You know, let's say all, all eight road games, there's an extra day. Because uh, then the test gets turned around and you see that you're negative, so you're fine. Right? And if you're positive, there you go. You avert a disaster. And then let's say there's eight other days that you're, you know, maybe it's every game day, right? That's every fine. Every Sunday, every Monday. Yeah. That's next, You know, I never heard anyone say that. that no, you I don't know. self-quarantine yeah. away from your family. And it seems like you could, um, you know, very much lower. That seems to cover some significant percentage of the difference between living a normal life and being an NFL player, which is you can't avoid being someone living a normal life. So right. the incremental amount that an NFL player is going to get, it seems like by 16 days in a, the four seasons, it could all be. And I'm not saying, listen, I went on air and said the following. I think this is a super valid thing, no matter what the reason. Meaning people, many people have died from this. Obviously, the death rate has gone down as, as the society's learned to deal with this stuff or specifically with th- this virus. But there's still people dying, even at the lower rates. Now, also, an athlete this, with this physical health, his own risk is less. But you could, I don't know about a one year. I mean, I know they say kids, when they get it, it doesn't matter. Like they're, they're just fine. Now, then there was like, well, there's just one thing with lungs. And it's like, well, actually now it doesn't seem like there is because like we're not hearing anything about it. What do you think, Steve? I heard one isolated situation in New York where a bunch of children were um, that caught COVID were coming down with something else, but it was isolated to the state of New York. I don't know. And all, let me guess, that was about six to eight weeks ago? Yes. And what do you think it means that we haven't heard anything else about it? It means it probably was bullshit. else, yes. So, because I can pro- – let me think. If they could somehow make it that Donald Trump somehow caused kids to have, hmm. like, ailments the rest of their life, you think it would be something that would be on the back page? Yes. Yes, you do think it would be? It would be on the back page? Oh, no, no, it would be on the front I was thinking about front like, and the, back. Yeah, I was thinking about like the back page being like an old, you know, important, not buried in the middle. Mm-hmm. It'd be on the front page. No, I think you're right. When there is like a weekly, when there's like something like the old um, sporting news kind of thing, the back page is important. And I think it. Well, I guess the back cover mm-hmm. is important. The back page isn't. But usually, when people talk about, like Dylan has a song, "My Back Pages." It's about the part of his prior life that isn't on the front page. Yes. Or Bruce Springsteen sings Backstreets. You know that song, don't you? 
You know, not as well as I should being a Springsteen lover, but yes, I know the song. What's the first verse? Hmm. Drawing a blank. One soft infested summer, me and Terry became friends, trying in vain to live, leave the fire we were born in. Taking rides through the outskirts, holding fate between our teeth, sleeping in that old abandoned beach house, getting wasted in the heat. We were riding on the back streets. Wild Innocent East Street Shuffle? No, Born to Run. Something Born to Run? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. You're making fun of me. Oh, my. No, it's Born to Run. Hey, really? Yeah. Okay. You don't know every song on Born to Run and you're a Bruce fan. Like, it's so funny that, like, you've, you've said you're such a Bruce fan. And I took, you, I took it to be true. Name the songs on Born to Run. Thunder Road. Mm-hmm. Born to Run. Mm-hmm. Um... I never really pay attention to the album, so. Uh, well, what, I'm confused. How did you listen to Bruce pre, like Spotify before streaming? If not with the album, I know it's like I don't know where Sandy is. If it's in Greetings from Asbury Park or if it's Born to. But Run. how did you listen to it? Uh, I didn't really become a Bruce fan until like Dancing in the Dark and everything came out. So then 1984, so yeah, like 35. It was to only all the other stuff. But but here's the thing. The only albums before that were Asbury Park, The Wild, The Innocent, Born to Run, Darkness, The River, and then Nebraska, and then Born USA. So, like, you said you were a fan in 84, which was almost 40 years ago, and you haven't been able to catch up on the back catalog <laughs> in that time? So what, 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 how many Bruce, like, do, how, what Bruce music do you own? I don't own any. So you're a Bruce fan that owns no Bruce. Do you have any music? None. <laughs> Matt, you're shrugging on the radio. You might want to say something. Uh, yeah, it's perplexing, but sort of makes sense for Steve. <laughs> so if he makes sense, it wouldn't make sense for Steve. Exactly. Have you ever owned any uh, Bruce music? Yeah, back in... 1984 and 6 when I was buying records. Um, what album came out in 86? Born in the USA, approximately. It came out in 84. Yeah, whatever. Well, 84, 86. <laughs> All right, go ahead. And what movie came, or what What was that? I Owned the so, River, which was like 79 or something. 80. Mm-hmm. All right. And what happened to those two? They've long since departed can't blame my did wife you, for this. Did one. your wife throw those out? No, I can't blame her for those. So at one point you said, I don't listen. I don't got the space for this CD, this Bruce CD. CD, they're all records. So you, oh, right, so I don't have they're the space. scratched up and, you know. And you figure don't, because you played them so much. Well, I played them. Did you ever own Born to Run? Yeah. So that also got destroyed. Yeah. So not one album... Did you start buying CDs at any point? Never. So you were, like, this whole vinyl revolution, you were in on it from the start. <laughs> that explains some things about me, doesn't it? No, because actually the hardcore music fans, even back then, didn't like the CDs. They were, like, I was like, look how convenient it is. And it's like, now in hindsight, 
Who's your second? So Bruce is the person you've wrapped your arms around. <laughs> who's who's your second favorite? Like if we started doing like music trivia, and I get it, you think you'd be an underdog in all spots, but against anyone, even let's say someone from I don't know Zimbabwe, what would you hope was the topic uh, artist topic? that you would have the second best chance. All I could say would be old-time rock and roll, not any one artist. Like, I know the hits. See, or, or <laughs> I know the hits. I don't know. like it, Because I know so if I So when you say old-time rock and roll, you mean the 80s? The Stones, you know, the... So you're an expert? Um, no, not at all. No, I just threw that out as an example. Tom Petty, you know. All, how many Stones songs? Exactly. I, I, knew that, I knew that was the next question. Right, so and after st- I play Under My Thumb and Angie and, well, you know... Well, first of all, Angie's a good pull there, actually. So I'm you must have had... You probably had Hot soon. Rocks. You probably had one of the two CD type or album type uh, greatest hits, right? Probably. I don't you don't even know. What Stones albums have you ever owned? I don't recall. What albums? All I know is the one with the tongue on it, obviously. What's the, what, what's the name of that one? Sticky Fingers. There you go. What was the name or what albums have you owned other than Bruce? So Journey. <laughs> Foreigner. Of course. You know, basically all the high school 1980s. No, no, I, no, no don't say all the... Mm-hmm. You know who you own. Keep name in the band. Well, it's getting the list is getting real short. After but you that. said all of them. You know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They asked Charlie, "How many chocolate bars did you eat?" And he says two. <laughs> Everyone laughs. I just didn't buy many records. I don't know why. So you've owned a couple of Bruce albums and two others. And do any of them still exist? None of them exist. It seems weird that you would have. Did you throw them all away at once in one one box? I don't even recall. I don't think so. And when's the last time you owned a piece of music? Can't even remember. Like it, it hasn't been this century since you moved to Vegas. Yeah, it's been at least twenty years. And do you listen to music on the radio? Rarely, at times. But hardly at all. Yeah, but I will. But hardly at all. Hardly at all. And do you have a Spotify subscription? I don't. And like Amazon Music HD? No. So literally in a month, you won't hear three minutes of music. Hmm. I'll go on the computer mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, like my back pages. And I like, I remember I'll, I'll watch select songs. On so you'll go to YouTube. And yeah. L- okay. Yeah. All right, I got that. And how many songs would you say you search out and listen to in a month? Maybe 10. Okay, that surprises me. Then you think you'd own something. Hmm. It's, just fa- it's endlessly fascinating. Not one single thing. Ashes. It's all gone. Oh, <laughs> imagine if someone uncovered the box that had all. I, I'm putting it out there, bounty style. I'll give you $3,000 if someone can deliver the intact box that Steve threw out <laughs> that would be I mean to have the journey <laughs> the foreigner album we can recreate it yeah we should make it a contest who can get the most accurate recreation my madness I mean, we'd have house. to we'd have to put some saline solution to replicate the tears of his high school years <laughs> like on the <laughs> what'd you say oh I said the madness our house you know that that song. 
Uh-uh. Kind of similar. Did you have the 45? No. So you didn't own it. But you heard it. I had, no, I had the album. And Oh, this is fascinating. So this is another album. What's it called? Madhouse? Madness. And the, the hit was Our House. The group was called Madness. They, living down the street. Our house in the you middle said, of the street. You said Our that. Our house. What? <laughs> hey, grab that. But I'm going to want the isolated track. Okay. I, I'm serious. Yeah. Like you skipped, missed a couple of these. Double, write it in red. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I might spend the weekend listening to the last month of shows. Just his, just his track. Because I think he says a lot of things that get lost because other people are talking. I just want to hear Steve's contribution. Just isolated. Isolated. Yes. Okay. You know how they'll like have a whole video of like OBJ and every play from his perspective? So you were going through life and you were sitting at a like Yofro shop or something at Northwestern and you heard the strains on the radio and you said, What that hmm, hmm. that's a song I should own. And you it took you, I'm sure, a lot of research because there was no internet. To figure out like the name of the app, and you went in the record store. You know how when a fat guy goes in a gym and he's he's feeling insecure, like he's looking around, making sure no one's look, like he feels out of place. You went in that record store that way, didn't you? Exactly. <laughs> Where are the records? Yeah. Ah, what is this play on? <laughs> Do you think that's it, or how? That's the uh, only other one. Well, there's others. Like I had the. Um, what are they called? Sultan, the Sultans of Swing. Dire Straits. Dire Straits, yeah. So what? Oh, After Money for Nothing, though. Yeah. Yeah, you had Brothers in Arms. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Did you buy any prints or he was too edgy? No prints. That, too edgy, huh? Just, hey, not my cup of tea. Let's see if there's any similar. Let's see if there's any. Mackenzie, can you find any themes in Fez's music? I think they're all U.S. born citizens, is okay. one. Uh huh. Uh, and seem, they look it. Yep, they look it. Seem to be. Well, wait, uh, wait. Dire Straits is British. Oh, well. or, or let's say the Queen or yeah, her subsidiary. Anglo-Saxon <laughs> persuasion seems to me. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Who who would you say would be the most urbane? Is that the right one? Who would be the edgiest uh, musician that you've ever owned their music? Don't recall if I actually owned it, but Village People. <laughs> That's a great answer. It, it, it just opens up a whole other. Now, <laughs> allegedly, oh, wait. Do you feel like at the time you bought it, you understood the true nature of the Village People? Oh, I did not. So really... Maybe that's what led to the albums all getting thrown out because the spring scene actually touched the village people. You threw them all out. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Reminds me in the great St. Elmo's Fire. You're not, no Springsteen's leaving this house when they were splitting up their albums. He goes, you can have all the Billy Joel except The Stranger. <laughs> that's pretty good. St. Elmo's Fire is a good movie. I think it just had its anniversary. Huh. 
I've been looking around for some Vegas songs. This is pretty interesting. Some outrageous, like get married in Vegas. We can hit the chapel, fall daddy in the morning. Oh, let's do some Melendez. Quit your job in Venice. What do you think of that, Mackenzie? I'm feeling it. That's a, that's that new new. That's that new wave music. I like it. Fez, you own this album, don't you? I do not. Okay, let's bring it back. Let's bring it all back home. Fez, you said the Belichickian way, the Belichick way, the Patriot way. It's not as easy to deal with because if your expectations are nine wins or whatever. I don't think that's it at all. I think it's hard to deal with over an extended period of time. In general, most people don't want to grind, grind, grind. So most people don't want to be patriots if they have a choice. But amongst the ones that want to grind, 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 85% of them are going to reach their limit four years, five years, six years. And that's why usually these coaches that are that tough – the Dick or uh, John Chaney types, 530 practice, whatever. Tip It's a great one. You know, Larry Bird, we talked about it last couple, one of the most recent, or one of the fairly recent episodes. You know, he had an amazing coaching run. I mean, shockingly good. And then I can't remember, how, was it three years? He, had, he came in and said, I will coach three years. I don't believe the fourth year you can hear that same voice. And the last game he ever coached was in the NBA Finals. Never went back to try to get a Finals. You think, now again, he had you know, so much money or whatever. But how many years? I mean, notice the people that are opting out. Generally, Hightower's been there a long, you know, almost 10 years, right? Yes. So I think in general, if, you, if they were – now, I will say in inverse, you're right, that if they were one of the three Super Bowl favorites, Hightower would still be sick of it, but he'd grin and bear it. Here, it doesn't feel like you're giving up as much, so all that accumulated stress and all that makes it better to say, let me take a year off. Yeah, and I got to wonder if six guys are saying, let me take a year off, what about the other guys that aren't taking the year off? Are they saying, you know, I wish I could take a year off, but uh, we're not all in that same financial situation, life situation, so i got to gut it out and play. i got to wonder about the attitude of the Patriots. So as we were saying, it could be, hey, they're not one of the Super Bowl favorite favorites, so people are sick of it, or it could be the accumulated years. I think there's something there. Uh you're worried, Steve, that, hey, this is a sign the whole team, like whatever that threshold was of saying I'm not going to play, the theory is there's players closer to that threshold Yeah, abso- or close to it. Yeah, absolutely. And the market had an interesting reaction to these opt-outs. So the season win number on the Patriots dropped from 9.3 to 8.9. This is a difficult thing to so price. So 0.4 ultimately. 0.4 is, is what the market priced in initially. So how many points is that in a season? So 35 points would be one game. So take 40% of 35 points. Okay. And we get 14 points, right? Okay, so they adjusted as if these players were worth 14 points. 
Hightower is not even a half point a game, is he? None of these guys are. Yeah, exactly. They're all Hightower's worth like a quarter of a point. Chung, quarter of a point. Cannon, quarter of a point. The other three guys, not as much. So the cumulative impact, not all that significant. Do you think the 14 points represents it properly? Or are they pricing in something else? I think that it represents the 14 points represents what these guys are worth. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't represent a second factor. So what you're saying is you believe that second factor is not being accounted for. Yes. So you would say even now you like the Patriots less over under 8.9 than you did prior to this at 9.3 or whatever. Exactly. Because I think that it's a it's a red flag. It is a sign that certainly there were some, some players that were looking for an excuse for whatever reason not to play. And I think where there's smoke, there could well be fire. Now, Giants lost a former Patriot, Nate Soldier. Boy, his, it's so funny. I, the Giants might be celebrating right now. But, again, these contracts uh, toll. Kansas City running. Oh, so, so what, what, do we know what this Williams uh, excuse was? Because you would to think if you're off the Super Bowl favorite, right? So, Fez, you have a bonus Best bet. Come on, baby. $80,000. <laughs> Not quite that big, but go ahead. Stop on the new starting running back for Kansas City, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, to go to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year 5-1. to one. This makes a lot of sense, RJ. By all accounts, it, looked, it was looked to be a split backfield between Damian Williams and the newcomer, Hilaire, from LSU. And now he absolutely is going to have that starting role. Remember, Damian Williams, he was nothing special. Almost won the Super Bowl MVP for the Chiefs because that offense is so good. How many Super Bowl MVP votes did he get? Uh, I don't know if he got any. Go ahead. All right. All right. But, but there, there was talk about how I think he did get some. We'll look it up. The I'm bo- guessing you won't look it up. Bo- and I'm the, guessing he got none. The, you know what? I think he did get some. I could be wrong. They said, no, it's, it's not that quarterback that some say is the best of all time who made a play. Third and 15. <laughs> no, it was that running back. All right. Yes. Uh, the bottom line is there aren't that many rookies that are supposed to have big breakout years. Burrow's favored. He's plus 250. But um, the Kansas City running back was the number two choice at 5-1. to one, And this news just broke today. So the odds have not yet changed. And I really think you could make a case he should be the favorite. 5-1, to one, very attractive bonus best bet. So who's the favorite? Burrow for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's go. Let's anything else NFL except for our previews. I mean, we're gonna obviously the union and the owners have gone back and forth. It seems like in general the owners are being amenable until they reach their point of friction, and then they're being pretty hardcore. I mentioned this reminds me of the famous wrestling story, WWF, I think at the time. They broke away from the NWA, and uh, Buddy Rogers was the champion, the nature, the original nature boy. And he wasn't a shoot wrestler, as they say, which means he could really wrestle. Bruno San Martino was, and they didn't have it announced beforehand, but it ma- you know, within the organization. But at Madison Square Garden, Bruno was going to win the title. 
And Buddy Rogers didn't know that. And Bruno told him early in the match, he said, we, you can do this one the easy way or the hard way. But it was going to happen. I think Buddy Rogers, I think Bruno beat him in like 40 seconds. <laughs> like Buddy Rogers didn't, I guess he didn't want to mess around with it. Okay, let's go to some recaps of the previews. And remember, guys, subscribe and you can, uh, you're going to get the unedited version if you're not listening straight out of Vegas. By the way, fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year. So if you're not listening, you're not cool. I'm just going to say it. That's what I've been told by a very famous person. I can't tell you the name. People are saying, Fez, <laughs> you don't believe me? You call, you call me a liar, Frank? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Let's start. We're going to go one minute each. I'm going to time this. Faz, you get, you get a minute, and then I'll recap what I think is important in 30 seconds. So you're going to get a minute. I'm going to get 30 seconds. Does that work? Works. So the first team, you consider the worst team. Jacksonville. And I leaned under four and a half wins. We had a, a good conversation. You set me straight once again. NFL teams don't tank. However, they make business decisions. They look in terms of what's their best chance to win over the next five years, where are they going to invest, et cetera. And Jacksonville looks to be a team looking down the line. Now, they like to win, but the mere fact that they're going with the stash, Minshew at quarterback, is beyond troubling. Here's a quarterback. He was barely serviceable. A little bit – he was serviceable. He was slightly below average his first stint with Jacksonville. And then when he came back after Foles got hurt again, he wasn't good. His QBR dropped below 40, looked like the league had caught some film on him and had figured him out. And yet that's the game plan for 2020 for Jacksonville, going with the stash again in Minshew. I leaned under four and a half. Okay. I think that's right. I think this is the one team you can question – how focused they are in winning now. Well, maybe not the way I'd say the most extreme case of this. And I just wonder how much, because this is that second order of facts again, is if it's just they have Minshew instead of Cam, and it's just, or is it something where other players aren't quite, you know, because let's be honest, you're going you're gonna to use the needle. If you have a swollen knee for this, you know, it feels like that lowering the stakes on the season has second order effects. And Michael Lombardi has been talking a lot about that concept. I think that it's something that's going to be fairly evident fairly early in the year. So to me, before I can back Jack, we saw it with Miami. You had, you know, as you said, a lot of doubts about it. We saw pretty quickly they lost that second game bad. They were sick of it. And Miami played really hard after that second game. You agree? I agree, especially when they gave up on Rosen. As soon as Fitzpatrick, be, it became Yeah, but clear. I'm not talking about how good they were. I'm talking about how hard the team played. Yes. Fitzpatrick's better than Rosen, no doubt. But the team wasn't playing particularly hard early. No. And, the, yeah, the Baltimore-New England games, here was a team that was, you hate to use the term, mailing it in, but they absolutely were not putting a strong so effort out there. my action here would be it's hard to bet on Jacksonville – until you see how hard they're going to play. All right, next team, number 31. Washington, I leaned over five wins. A little extra vig on this. It's all about a defense that I believe 
has the potential to be an average defense. Point of strength, that D-line, it was already really good. And now you add Chase Young, number two pick in the draft, and there's certainly the potential for Washington to have an average defense. If you have an average defense, all you need is anything out of your offense. And with Haskins at quarterback, we saw that in his final two games. So an improving offense, an average defense, lean over five wins, Washington. A lot of lean so far. So the question I've got is, how does all the controversy and all that affect the team this year? One thing is, hey, there's all the COVID stuff going on. Now you add this, eh, it's going to be a tipping point, overwhelming. The other thought is that you have a new coach, Ron Rivera, and Rivera's taken on a lot of responsibility, like a shocking amount for someone, just a new coach, because it's been kind of abdicated from the owner. It feels like they can hunker down and say it's us. It's almost like an internal, you know, like a civil war where, hey, that's where ownership is. That's where the executives are. But over here, we're playing football, almost like the Indians in Major League. Well, oh, Indians. Wait, oh, wait. I I think that's a great analogy where Rivera may well be like that old crusty coach in Major League to come and say. That coach was younger than you are right now, probably. How old was that? I don't think so. Uh uh Maybe. Maybe. But I could easily see Rivera, like you said, us against them. Bottom line, we're going to put aside these distractions and play well. Yeah, so we'll see. I think that Washington is amongst the handful of teams that the COVID's going to hurt the most because of all the slow-starting situations they're in, inexperienced quarterback, new coach, that's all exacerbated by COVID. So to me, my guess is I'll have Washington – I don't know, in the last 10 weeks of the season, probably three to four times I'll be on them. I don't think they're an early season bet. And intrinsically, a win total is a whole season bet. When they're, when you have a team that's on a lean to fade them, you're leaning to fade Washington. If I said first five games, you got to have five bets on them or five against, bets against them. Lean to, to fade. Lean to fade. <laughs> you're getting old, dude. So, yeah, keep chugging them out and do That's going to do it. So, <laughs> I don't know how you bet a win total over, you know, to rise to the level of a bet if you're going to want to fade them the first, you know, relatively more towards the fade the first five games. You can say I'm going to be more towards the back them, and it doesn't go to that. It'd be fade first five games, three games you're neutral, last eight games you want to play them. They're not that much of a play after, you know, and plus you can get at it differently. Right? You can get at it with individual game bets. And you'll probably get better line value if you're correct and they start slow, right? Yeah. But here's what I don't understand. Correct me if I'm wrong. In fact, I know I'm not wrong. You have your season wins. Now, every week the power ratings change. It's very easy to say, okay, that means that the projection is this game or this game line is going to be X. Then to go from that line to a fractional win, I mean, this is like simple Excel type stuff. At any time, once they change their power ratings, any given sports book, why not just put a win total up from Tuesday through Friday every week for the rest of the NFL season? Yeah, all about manpower. They could, absolutely. Manpower, it would take how long? And the theory is, would that make enough money to pay for the time it would take? And if so, you hire someone else not to do that job fully, but 
What's that going to take? It's going to take less than an hour a week because the power ratings got to be done anyway. Yeah, but I don't think these odds makers necessarily, a lot of these books don't even make power ratings. You're right, the ones that originate the lines have to. But somebody does. Yes, and if, if you already have the power ratings, it becomes an easy exercise. Boom, you throw it into the spreadsheet, throw the switch, and calculate the wind shares. And before the season, you would find the situations that you would offset your power ratings lines with matchup, you know, and that's those offsets so don't change. So, in general, it would take less than an hour a week. Wouldn't that be interesting? And you don't think that would get a lot of action? It would get a lot of action. Look no further than with the stoppages that we had. Look, look at the NBA. And they went ahead and posted the win-losses on the last eight games. And the books took a lot of action. the same way, yeah. And you know what's fascinating? At minimum, and I mean, this is like, what do they call it when you have a uh, uh, – Malpractice. So it's such a this is bookmaker malpractice that for at least the first three or four games of the baseball season and of the NBA season that they don't keep updating it because a lot of people don't even start looking at the teams or anything until the first game. I, I agree. And how hard is it? Think about it. Oh my it. God. You just have to reverse the fractional win or loss of you know what the expectation was versus exactly. What it's a baseball team. Was a minus three hundred. They're supposed to win three quarters of the time. Boom. They it's win it, so they get you know it's Pick an extra quarter. quarter. Game, yeah. Exactly. I mean, at minimum for a week, it's hardly any work. They probably almost double their. No, I bet this they'd get more in the week after the first game than they got in the week leading up. Oh, no question. In the NFL, now that people got to see every every team play and got some. In the NFL, you at least do it twice, two weeks. I agree. <sighs> Are cockroaches lazy? Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. I, I don't think they're always scurrying around. Maybe these are like co- drunk cockroaches. <laughs> or, or bloated from the buffet cockroaches. You know, books have trouble when they're the ones setting the lines. Except first. Bookmaker could do this. Anyone that sets any line further, Westgate yeah. could do this, South Point could do this. Sure. And they'd get a lot of publicity out of it. A lot of it. But they're drunk and lazy. <laughs> I'm not saying that any individual's drunk. Most are lazy, though. Look, there's nothing on the screen. Holy cow. Wouldn't it be funny if Mackenzie was dead? I mean, not funny, but, you know, chuckle. Not ha-ha funny. Metaphysically. Or he collapses from an aneurysm and his forehead hits the keyboard and just there's just random there's just random yes he's and that was the end of the story and just and I'm looking at it but somehow in his death rattle his head goes left right left right and it types out some message death <laughs> and I take that with I, I print it out and put it in my pocket and carry it with me the rest of my life. <laughs> That's some uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm style writing right there. <laughs> that'd be funny if the guy was like researching. And then, uh, yeah, that'd be funny. And the, the main uh, Curb guy is like trying to figure out what it means. Like he's not, he's not feeling bad for his friend, but he's mad that he didn't get the answer yet. He's showing it to people. Hey, you, what is this? Uh, I t- those writer rooms, baby. Maybe when I retire. All right. 
Last team, Faz. Cincinnati Bengals. Lean, number 30. Number 30. Lean over five and a half wins. A little extra vague on the over. You know, the Bengals only won two games last year. But a lot went wrong, and the Bengals were rather— Yeah, that's what losing is. Yeah, yeah but they should have won more than two games. Why? So Make un- that case. So unlucky. Look, look no closer than close games. The Bengals had eight close games. One-score games decided by eight points or fewer. They bageled, RJ. Oh, and eight. Losers lose. Losers lose. Had that game won at Seattle. Blew it Be, to, to start Losers the Losers lose. And then in the penultimate game at Miami, overtime, they losers lose to the double. Well, they're playing losers also, so they had a 50 No, there's no shot. losers like the Bengals. Who, who was the team you're comparing to the Bengals? Miami. No. Yeah, Miami right. has one of the best young coaches in the league, and Cincinnati has the worst coach in the league. Yeah. Losers the, lose. The Bengals. It's hard to be a Bengal fan. Uh, I think it's an indictment of the fan. You don't have to be a fan of anybody. <laughs> At some point, you're saying I buy into this. I support this. Well, as a maybe, it's like a retweet. Maybe it does mean endorsement. I'm a homer because I bought into the fact that AJ Green is coming back. He was out all of last year. Our left tackle, Jonah Williams. Ryan Finley, where's he at in the mix? He's the backup quarterback. Burrow better so, be good. So Andy Dalton right now you have ranked where? On 21. 21. All right. So when Ryan Finley came in last year, you, in your infinite wisdom as the only two-time Super Contest champion, how did you adjust? I upgraded the rest of the Bengals because I said, you know what? They're not getting it done with Dalton, and there's going to be a fresh wave of energy bringing in Ryan Finley. Well, that lasted about half a quarter because Ryan Finley was bad. How bad? Three consecutive horrendous games, QBRs, all below 30. Ryan Finley was a disaster, and it's reflected in the overall Cincinnati offensive stats. If you look at them, there's three sixteenths of the season was Ryan Finley stats. (laughs) Ain't been too lucky, huh? And in a way, me letting you say that almost invalidates my amazing win- winning against you. He was 0-3. This is career stats. He completed 47. I think Y.A. Tittle completed more passes. 5.4 yards in attempt. I'm shocked the numbers are that high. I wonder how much money I make you just because I shake. Like, you get beat over the head so badly with some of your worst ideas that it does get you off them eventually. And you got to wonder how many, like, is it 50000 a year just from that, you think? And at go- no point do you ever give me 2000 That's a very good point. Jeez, what were you going to guess? On you were saying you. I said fifty thousand. You started saying I think it, and then you stopped. But the wheels are turning in my head because I'm thinking about like all the ancillary stuff and prop bets mm-hmm, and the like mm-hmm. and how just getting one. You know what? Turning a losing bet into a no bet. Mm-hmm. That's worth ten percent more. I know. Than winning. I mean, yeah. in fact, I'll, I, I'll wait for my envelope. Let's I'll, just say that, and, and I'll argue that the number one reason that people don't win sports betting is they don't avoid enough lemons because all it takes is a couple 45% bets in your portfolio to really sandbag your overall ROI. You have to avoid the just bad bets. So what you're saying is if you have coin flips in there, you're going to lose a lot of them, but 
the coin flips. You have a bad bet where you got the wrong side. It's not just another loser when it comes to expectation. But in the, I mean, would it be as simple to say, okay, you got to have 2.4% over. So that would mean, correct me if I'm wrong, mathematically, a 45%er is doubly deadly. And effectively, you got, you know, in this case. Triply deadly. You're, instead of losing 4.5, you lose 4.5% times three. Well, okay, that's interesting. So you're saying yeah, that's a so you're saying the theory is it's from 52.4 to 50 is one unit, and then there's two more of those to get. Okay, now that I've never heard quantified. There you go. There's something fresh. Is triple is 145% loser expectation wise is worth tr- three losses on coin flips. Yes. So that means about a 50,000 number might be conservative. Yes. So what are you going to do? Do you want to give a big donation to a charity in my name? I'll pick the charity. Like, well, I'd rather donate it to you. No. I, I, okay. But I'm saying it make it, this will make it harder for you to say no. I, I'll say just give me 20% of the 50 for one year, and we'll pick a charity. You want to answer now or think about it? Let me think about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. No need. No need. All right, last team. Did we do one more? We did one more, but I... Oh, but that's fine. We pre-taped it. Yeah, let's do it now. All right, Carolina Panthers... Going to go over. No, you know, actually, this would come out before that. I don't want to. Listen, you guys get a lot of stuff. You want to listen to the radio show? Listen to the radio show. And we're getting ramped up here. All right, let's keep moving. Boy, this could have been gold. But they'll get it next week when it's stale. All right. Or Fox Sports Radio, 225 stations. Six Eastern, three Pacific. Five Central, four Mountain. I don't think anyone lives in Mountain. I don't like Denver people. I like them. Why wouldn't you like Denver people? Because I, I don't like San Diego people. Let me say it like this. I don't like the idea of Denver or the idea of San Diego. Because they're too self-satisfied. Like, hey, we got 320 years of sun. It's like, Okay. Got it. Billboards in San Diego say America's finest city. Yeah, I mean, they can't even keep an NFL team. But listen, there's a lot of good people there. But let's be candid. And if you're listening to this pod, you're not one of them. But there, I say it's about the lowest IQ in the country of major cities. And it makes sense, right? What, is it gonna, what kind of people are going to be attracted to San Diego? Surfers. Well, surfers are probably high IQ, most of them. But, but people who are the types that one of the five most important things in their life is going to be the beach. Right. I think there's a real zen to surfing. And, and, and I, you know, Point Breaks, one of my favorite moves. No, I, I love Point Break. I do. Is, but it's like Vegas is going to be one of the lowest IQs. Because we, how's this? If you're 22 and you're hot, guy or girl. Where are you going to make the most money without having to go into sex work? Vegas. Vegas, New York City, Miami, L.A. That's it. And Vegas is maybe third on that list. I think it's New York, L.A., and Vegas. 
and then you add the dealing in, maybe it's number one because there's just tens of thousands of jobs dealing where what's a deal? Let's say Mirage today. So middle of the road casino today on the strip. 80K a year? I, that's the number I heard like 15 years ago. So let's say at least 80. And you got a deal. And it's not easy, but I mean, once you learn, you know, you go to school. So it makes sense that you're going to get, uh, um, and plus Vegas has a horrible, you know, relatively not a great school system, though there's certainly schools that are good. They have magnet schools. Agassiz did a lot of stuff, but just from A to Z. But also, if, if your parents, you know, like there's a lot, you know, different ethnicities or whatever, there'd be like a emphasis on education, right? So it's like, you got to do this. You got, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, uh, a lot of poker players who have, are world class, made a lot of money, wrote books, they don't really think they ever were successful. And if you listen, they're like, well, my parents said doctors and lawyers, and you know, it was just what was instilled in them. If you grew up in Vegas, odds of your parents being dealers, cards, strippers, I mean, exotic dancers, et cetera, you know, cocktail waitresses making a ton of money. Is education going to be the thing they focus on? just natural they're not they'd be crazy if they did and then it's not even about maybe they could be smart enough to say well i don't want my kid to think this way so i'm going to really push but he's going to say hey i'm going to follow what you do not what you say and it's just inevitable and i think it's what listen if there's one lament about this country today is the hollowing out or if one of the big ones is the hollowing out of the middle class is if you Go to the service. You know, my dad went to the service, you know, Vietnam, six years involved at that time. Came out, learned to be a machinist in there. Worked for a while, different place. Got a job in the coal mines, union, and worked for 35 years. Made a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's all relative. But speaking of 80, like, I can still remember the year I graduated. Somehow I saw a hurt. He made 80K. Now, he worked like 60 hours a week. I mean, those coal miners would work back. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying not, they don't work today. I'm just saying that was the culture, and that was what the mines wanted. They wanted less miners for whatever reason, maybe the, all the legacy costs with the uh, uh, retirement, you know, all the private retirement they had or whatever. But my mom was a school teacher, had a master's. She made like 40. They made great money. Today, there isn't those stories. Right. Is there what is the scenario that someone didn't go to college, worked hard, though, and now he's making a good living. Look at all Detroit, all the. Yeah, that's that was Detroit's a a great example where that was the city right in the 60s and 70s, even where you didn't need to be college educated and you could make a really good living. And then Vegas, in many ways, you, you nailed it was, you know, the casino jobs. So why emphasize education when it was unnecessary for the parents and then for, got passed on to the children? And that's a wonderful thing. No matter where you are in this country, it's something to consider. You know, being a dealer, you know, if you have a kid or there's a, you know, borderline adult, you're listening, your parents, whatever, or the parents is... First of all, Vegas, in my opinion, is a great city. I love it for gambling reasons. I love it for cultural reasons, as in I love the, the predatory nature of it. All cities are predatory. We just do it better. 
I don't know what you mean by predatory. Like, uh, everyone's trying to extract, every city's trying to extract as much money as they can out of the tourists. Oh. We have it to a fine art. And uh, it reminds me of the book, The Right Stuff, right? So about the astronauts. And in that book, Thomas Wolfe talked about, was it Thomas Wolfe? What, what am I thinking of? Who wrote that in Bonfire of the Vanities? Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. I thought it was, well, let me double check. Yeah, maybe, I think Google's up working, right? I'm not exactly sure how to spell that. Well, just write the right stuff, author. No, I meant Google. R-I-G-H-T-S-T-U. All right. Tom Wolf. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Thank you. For some reason, I was thinking about the guy that wrote... The House of the Seven Gable? What? I, don't, I never read that book. It was a Thomas something. Something about the light. To the Lighthouse was the name of it. What, who wrote To the Lighthouse? Virginia Woolf. Good, good read. Good yeah, read. Okay, not quite good. I don't know why that was throwing me, the Wolf <laughs> thing. All right. I didn't read that one either. <laughs> I had to in high school, but I like it. Congratulations. When you get your pod, you can talk about that. <laughs> I wonder how many... If he did a pod, would he get 100 people, you think? Uh, we've done this experiment. 150, actually, RJ. But you, did you put, what channel did you put it in? It's on SoundCloud. Okay. That's high. I think you might want to check for a tech malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy. I was happy with the response. You were like, imagine if there were 100 people in this room, how your folding chairs would be. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right. I about killed over there. It was so good. You know when you laugh and you get a cramp and like your side, like you get a little cramp between your ribs? Oh my gosh. All right. So what else we got? Let's talk a little baseball. I gotta give you credit on this one. You, right. I think you foreshadowed this one. We're talking about baseball home field advantage. And I think you were rather skeptical about how much home field there really was gonna be with like the cardboard cutouts. And the fact that the home team, well, you got the sight lines, right? You're used to your sight lines. That's an edge. But wait a minute. These sight lines are different. Now you're staring at blue and green seats instead of fans and the like. And you were emphasizing, you really thought we needed to scale back the home field advantage by at least half, if not more. Well, so far, visitors in baseball, 35 and 34. So the visitors have a winning record, a little bit over plus 12 units year to date. Let's keep an eye on. Well, let me ask you this. If I said to you, you have to bet every game the rest of the season, no matter how crazy that is, but you either got to bet on the home team or the away team, what do you want? Visitor. You want the visitor. Okay. Well, if How much do you like that? Meaning, would you lay 101 in Nova? Would you lay 101? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm playing it at the market number. But a no vig line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but would you add, or maybe you're right. Would you, obviously you would lay an extra penny if you had to choose to lay an extra penny on one of them. Would you lay an extra two cents, three cents? Where's, where is it? I'll go three cents. So at four cents, you would say, give me the home team. Yes. But at three cents. Okay. What so do you think? I think that if you offer me two cents, I'll take home. And what we'll, and what we'll do is is make it simple. The bet itself will be for three hundred. It's a yes no binary. But then we'll go. How many games are going to be the rest of the year? So let's. Th- I mean, obviously there's uncertainty. 
But 60 games, that's minus five. Just you know, I know that's not exactly right. So 55 per, and it's going to be 55 times 15. Yes. So it's about 780 or whatever. So 825 by oh, that math. Thank you. Is why don't we go two bucks per win over? So if I win by 10 games, you owe me an extra 20 bucks. You know, but I guess that's not going to be a ton. You want to go five bucks per winner? Yeah, yeah, I like this. So this is like, what do they call that with totals, indexes? Exactly, a- action, action points. Oh, I thought they said something with indexes. Is how they, they might have maybe that's index, Jersey's branding, the index yeah, betting, index yeah. wagering, and they've heard it labeled action points. Yeah, yeah. okay. So I, I love this because it's now all of a sudden. It's not you just and I winning. Have a, we have action on every case. Exactly. <laughs> now I don't think I'm going to be writing it down. So what we're saying is this. And the settling, so I'm betting 300. So I'm you're giving me two cents. So I'm betting 300 to win 306. Right? You're betting whatever the market is, the Novig, and you're getting an extra three cents. Two cents, we said. But yep. but what I'm saying is, how am I gonna? How are you gonna give me those? Like we're not. Oh, you're saying you, we figure it. Nah, I think what we do— Because the home team should still be favored, I just think, by peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I'll take my two cents in the, in the lay price if you want. I'm saying we just figure it out as if you didn't give me those two cents, and then I'll bet 300 to win 306, which is two cents on 100, right? I'm getting like a plus 102. I'm not sure I understand the bet. I'm so we're betting $300, right? Okay. And it's a yes or no— Will the home team have a plus? No, whose number is going to be better at market, the home team or the road team? Yes. You're saying you think the road team. I'm saying I think the home team. Now, you gave me a slight handicap. Let's set that aside for a minute. So at the end, you get your database and say, at market, how'd the home teams do? How'd the road teams do? Whatever, because they both could have a negative number. Whoever has right. the best number wins the bet. Yes. And I'm saying to give me my two cents, instead of applying it to each and every game, and having that affect who wins, just put it in the lay price, and that's I get plus one hundred two on the bet instead of even money. Sure. How is that not obvious? I think you're giving me a. I think you're giving me a bargain. I think you are. You're only I, making me. You're charging me vig once versus for every game. Yeah, but but the bet, but effectively the vig is about. I mean, you're right that. It would probably. I don't know if it I, would. I could be a terrible negotiator, but if it's no, just one no, bet, no. I'll take plus. I'll, I'll, I'll lay a dollar ten. I'll lay it uh, No, no, no. I beat you enough. I'll take this number. But um, well, that's interesting because if, if we somehow did where we adjusted every game by two cents, like whatever the market was, we moved to two cents. Then every 50 games we played, it would be like laying one unit, right? Okay. You with me there? Yeah. I yeah well I mean I know fifty times two equals one or hundred I mean yes I do so I'm thinking I'm thinking about let's it. do this let's think about this because I don't I don't mind taking the worst of it in that I think I got a good bet and I don't you know about the six cents but I want to make sure let, let's do this we'll we'll announce we'll announce this next week but the I bet's like your, on yes but I like your idea of how much do the home teams win if you bet all home how much do the visitors win if you bet all visitor which does better and then a slight handicap on that that's yeah, that's, it, that's very good and here's why I, uh, I like it I believe oh, there's two reasons actually you're going to you're going to want to buy out of it is number 1 is I believe that the the stress of traveling is going to aggregate uh. it's going to accumulate as the season progresses more time away from home more stressors more people getting sick and I think now it's just the beginning. 
And already people was complaining. I think road, it's going to be harder to be on the road for this entire time, though it's not a crazy amount of time. It's a great point. Number two, and oh, by the way, we don't count Toronto. Toronto is not a home team. There is no Toronto. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Toronto so, actually tonight is hosting the Nationals in Washington, D.C. And I'm saying that's not the case. Very true. Yes. All right. But they are on the road. They're a road team sometimes. Not every game, but when they're actually on the road, they're a road team. Yes. And they're going to get. When they're in Buffalo, they don't count. Exactly. They're going to get tired. Let's just say that. Okay. But number two, whatever that lack of familiarity in your own place effect, that diminishes greatly over time. They're going to get used to staring at the green and blue. It's going to be like, oh, okay. It's like when you change the carpeting. For a couple days, a week, it doesn't feel like your room or your living room. And then it does. Mm-hmm. This is how it happens. Make the sausage. This is making the sausage. I'm thinking about this, this sausage. You know, I, I've been watching this Cobra Kai. You know, okay, okay. One and, two, and they're talking about the, the home dojo advantage, right? So imagine you remodel <laughs> your dojo and you're going to have, like, you know, a karate match that first couple games. That's a big disadvantage to have a brand-new dojo. But then if it's been remodeled for, like, three, four, five weeks, now all of a sudden you're going to kick ass with it because mm-hmm. you're used to it. Plus, there's going to be a five-game period that they overreact to this. The markets yeah. – because if I said for the next five days, now that would have none of my effects of the advantages of later, but I think there's an advantage in the next five or so games there's going to be an overreaction to the start. Because in general – if it gets publicized enough. Hey, I, yeah, this so. is the lead story every time people's talking baseball now. That's what I came with, right? Exactly. So in a way, I've got all I've I have an advantage in every spot, really, effectively. And your advantage is, if you have one, is the market's overestimating the value of home field in this situation, except how long is it going to do that? Yeah, the market has overestimated the value uh-huh. of home field. Yes. What side do you like, Mackenzie? Water's warm if you want to add to this. You make great points. I probably, before this conversation, would have slightly agreed with Fez. Now I'm, I'm not so sure. I think I'll, I'll So you mean you would have heard RJ's on one side, Fez is on the other. I probably should have just stopped right there, yeah. And, and said, <laughs> you know who? I want to back Fez. No, before, before. Yeah, I, but, yeah. oh, you're saying if you didn't know who was on which side. Yes. You yes. know, I got to be honest. I think there are certainly times where we have crossfires yeah. where you win the debate. Uh-huh. But I don't think you're necessarily – that's just because you're a great debate. I, I understand. I think you kicked my ass on this one. I mean, I have completely reversed. <laughs> this makes so much sense. This is a donation to help me make more money betting baseball. <laughs> we'll see. I mean – Especially the second half of the year. I feel like it. I do. And right now – oh, but this is the actual straight – now, remember, we're betting from here. We didn't, we're betting from the past because, I mean, the, I'm sure – We're the, betting starting tomorrow. Yeah, 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 not today. Uh, yeah, we haven't heard any scores today. I think we should count today. I want more sample size. Like, now we'll count tomorrow. We'll start tomorrow. Mackenzie, what is the plus money or minus money on road team? Well, obviously not minus, I don't think, on road teams with the money line accounted for? Plus 13 units. Wow. So far. Damn, that's, all, that's not yours, though, Steve. No, and I, I got a prop bet for you that's offered every day. You're going to like this. I right, continue. The Grand Salami. Mm-hmm. You, We've spoken about little, that. Little provolone. Oh, wait. All, total runs scored. 
in any one day. But as part of the Grand Salami, you can bet the side. You can bet home teams or road teams on any one day. Thus, we might well later in the year consider betting on the home teams, especially, say, on a Monday when all the teams are traveling the road teams to that venue. And after all these years, you know better than butt heads with me. You just keep doing it, Steve. I give you credit, though. I think this persistence is why you're such a winner overall. And if you stopped, it would jinx you. You can have a loss leader and still make a exactly. whole lot of money. Pa- you think you could get Pepsi for 69 cents for two liters? All right, let's keep moving. we got best bets coming up. Oh, Fez has his theory. Out of the comfort zone. Okay. Um, odds makers adjustment for the DH. You think it's right there? Yeah, disappointing. The... AL totals were about 0.4 to 0.5 runs higher than the NL last year. And opening night, the NL totals were lower than the AL totals by about three-tenths of a run. I was thinking, wow, maybe the odds makers are going to just price the ballparks, not get this right. That's not the case. The AL and the NL totals have been the same now. On average, within a tenth of a run, the proper adjustment looks to have been made. Marlins, COVID, listen, I ran it about this on SOV. There needs to be a consequence if it's true with the Marlins. Um, Oh, breaking news. MLB requiring teams to add COVID protocol compliance offers. Huh? MLB. I'm sorry, I should say officers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You sure you don't want to bet that? (laughs) <laughs> All right, officers. I mean, I got to be honest with you. The fact that this wasn't in the 115-page document, what happens if someone gets it? Ah, take a team vote. <laughs> See who the clubhouse mayor is and let him decide. I mean, <laughs> uh, oof. Oh, man, you got to read this article. It's so funny. Nowhere does the hundred, nowhere in the 113-page protocol that governs the 2020 season does it expressly address how the league will handle a coronavirus outbreak. Hmm. Of course not. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. I don't think there's much else there. Dodgers, we ran it about this. To me, and, you know, it's funny because it's, kind of, it's become like a cliche, and Bruce used it. Steve, you're probably familiar with this is no justice, no peace. And McNulty said it in season four when he was a beat cop. And what's the implication of that? The implication is if the authorities don't take care of it, whatever it is, social justice, whatever, the people are going to take care of it. But them taking care of it is going to be violent. Because that's the only recourse they have. And if people wanted to be violent all the time, they'd be violent all the time. And there are those people. And those people deserve an indictment, both literally and and spiritually. But if someone's usually uh, nonviolent and a lack of justice caused them to be violent. Now, again, this has nothing to do with breaking windows or whatever. We're just saying in general, in the history of the human race, when there's been a lack of justice, that led to violence. Now, we're not talking about violence here. We're talking about beanballs, which can be violent. 
Some say they're just buzzed in there, but that seems soft to me. But the point I made on SOV, and I'm going to pose it here, what, would you, what do you think has a greater statistical expectation of health damage? A fastball from a wild pitcher thrown literally at the head of the opposing pitcher or opposing batter. Now, obviously he's going to miss his head most of the time. Maybe he was throwing a foot from his head, but this guy's wild. And then there's times he's going to get bonked on the head, and it's not going to be any effect. It's just bonked him on the head. He just got lucky. But there's a certain time he's going to get hit in the ear, in the throat. You know, imagine a catcher back here with no gear. Now, that expectation versus the pitcher, Kelly, saying, you know, I'm going to skip the beanball. I'm going to get a COVID-infected needle. And go poke him in the thigh. Just one, the, the same batter. Statistically, I'd make the case that the chance of that batter really getting harmed, what do we guess? About 3%, about 1 in 30, like real beanballs, he's going to get hit and it's really going to be something. Does that sound right, Steve? Yeah, and maybe get a concussion. Maybe you're never the same. Maybe you have headaches. Could, could your die. Career. Can die. All right. If you look at the COVID numbers, now, how we account for the fact when it is bad, it's usually death. Okay, that's worse in theory. I mean, meaning you can imagine there's scenarios you'd rather be, you know, that death isn't worse. But, okay, I think the case could be made that I'd rather get poked with a COVID needle than have a major league pitcher throw a beanball at me. And you're not 30. Imagine if you're 30 how which the in theory what, the covid or not in theory i guess in statistically the covid risk goes down exactly so now what's your mortality rate from covid i don't know is it one out of 50,000 is it one well, out, for for a 30 year old yeah, yeah or, i agree but let's just I say know. i don't know either but let's just say hmm. you know there's also theories that 10 you know upwards of 10 times as many people have had it and they're asymptomatic you know, and, and the, C, the um, CDC said their range is from four to 12 times as many. So the lowest range they're saying is four times as many people that think they've had it have had it, four times as many. So that would make the risk go down, you know, drastically more. But let's just say it's hard to make the case to COVID. Now, what's interesting is you're going to escape completely unharmed a majority of the time with the baseball. With the COVID, you're going to have. In the better scenarios, well, I guess some people are atypic or um, asymptomatic. Yeah. Well, I can pronounce. I forgot asymptomatic. I can't pronounce. Is the idea of well, that's off. Atypical is the most common. In fact, asymptomatic is saying atypical of the. You know, it's interesting because it's actually saying something different. It's not saying how often it happens. It's saying there's a lack of, huh. But that's the only two times I've ever heard it, like atypical or asymptomatic, that A representing almost like a minus sign. Eh, I don't know. But anyway, it's causing me to screw it up. I know that much. But you're going to have a lot, assuming that the asymptomatic percentages are in line with what we've seen instead of the expectations, most of the time you're going to have a ramification from the, the needle. But with the beanball, you're going to not get hit. Most of the time, but when you get, or, you know, I don't know, 
about half. If when you do get hit, though, the risk of real injury is going to be serious. But what would happen to him if he had got if he had went and stuck him with the <laughs> infected needle? Would he he'd probably go to jail? Jail time. And Lifetime ban. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. So my point being, this is serious. Guy got an eight-game ban, Cali, for a reason, but I'm not sure that it's not warranted. The action, because the Astros effectively stole World Series, and there wasn't any real ramification. As no, you said, no Steve. No justice, no peace. Exactly. You, you actually saw a story come around. Usually you start talking at the point when I'm going to do the punchline. By the way, a prefix, the a prefix means not from the Latin, away from. So, Steve, you're a funny. <laughs> That's actually humorous. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's like the sixth, the fifth best joke in a typical sitcom. Yes, it is. And they took, how many man hours do they write those things with? Oh, probably like 10. 10 to write a sitcom? No, I don't know. 10 people. I don't know right? anything about sitcoms. Come on. They have a writer's room like eight people, and they spend at least 20, 30 hours each for each episode. How many jokes on a page? Like two, three? Page a minute? I think a lot of them, none. <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, last thing before the best bets. Clippers. What do you think, Fez? Doesn't look – Listen. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. A lot of people are doing the math and saying, oh, Sweet Lou is missing two games. That game check, blah, 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 it's $200,000 or whatever the number is. And I've said, you know, that's like the fourth highest financial consequence of a night at a strip club I've heard about in Vegas. You know, those chicken wings must be really, really good, right? You know what's funny is I just talked about you stepping on it, and, and right there you – you had that a joke, and and you you didn't even hear what I said. Like your mind was so fixated on saying your line. It was a, you know how bad that line is, right? It's like that's what like an eight year old would say. I bet those chicken ones were good. <laughs> and but you were so into saying it that that we didn't get to hear the laugh about the very funny line. How funny was that? Like, you know, imagine the way you would set that up. You would say, you know, we did the math on it. This is costing Sweet Lou $222,000 for a night at the strip club. And, and then the key here is a pause. And then you come in low. You don't, you go, I, yeah, I mean, that's like the fourth most expensive night at the strip club I've heard about. Yeah. The chicken could have been, I don't know, a tagline three pages away. Oh, or or on the cut, or fire the guy on the spot. <laughs> Do not renew his. But his shot. eyes were like. Uh. <laughs> Do you get my joke? Yep. What do you think this says? What are the ramifications for? The, let's stick to your lane. What are the ramifications for the Clippers? All right. So initially, we were hopeful that this was going to be a really good summer camp for the Clippers, an opportunity, if you will, for a team that's coming together, has a bunch of new parts to get better, extra practice time for everyone. Remember, 
Paul George and Kawhi, first years with the Clippers, and then they add two new pieces. Plus, Paul George injured much of the time. Exactly. Great point. And Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, new players. They've been with the team about 10 games. And the expectation is, hey, they're going to get to practice these four guys now with the entire team, and the team can gel and improve. And that hasn't happened. They've had five guys now that haven't been a part of summer camp, you know, Lou Williams being the most recent one. And I really have to think, not only is this going to impact the Clippers here the rest of the regular season, but this is an opportunity squandered for this team to come together and to get better as a team. So if you look at like game one against the Lakers, the line was what, Lakers won? Now it's like four and a half or something? Yes, and what's amazing about that line move is that all has not gone right for the Lakers. Remember, Avery Bradley. Which op- you dismissed. Ops meaningless. out. Yes, Rondo. Do you still think that's meaningless? No, because the, the fact that Rondo broke his thumb, now you got cluster injuries at guard, and the Lakers are laying four to four and a half, despite the fact that the Brow has an eye injury. He's probably going to play. And LeBron has a groin issue. He's probably going to play. So the Lakers aren't even 100% in this game. And the Lakers are laying four to four and a half against what's left of the Clippers here. I agree. Now, what are the ramifications? And by the way, this game goes tomorrow, Thursday. It looks like uh, LeBron's probable, Kuzma's probable. Uh, Anthony Davis questionable, Beverly questionable. Okay, Sweet Lou's out. Harold's out. It must have been some good wings. <laughs> <laughs> Not my best work. Did you think of that, like driving in? Like, how many days have you been holding that one back? Mm. <laughs> so it's been over twenty-four hours. About a week, yeah. <laughs> Whenever the news broke. <laughs> Were you like mad after the show, the that Fox show? We didn't, you didn't get a chance to use it. Oh my Thank goodness, God. no. <laughs> we would have to stop the show. Now, here is what they do in the professional ranks: they tease right in to a best bet from the hitman on the Lakers Clippers. Here is the translucent one. NBA's back, so for the first night, we got a best bet. We're taking the Clippers, plus four and a half against the Lakers. Let's start with the fact that when these teams are at full strength, I have them rated pretty equally. So let's look at who's missing this game and why the line has blown up to four and a half. The Clippers are definitely without Lou Williams, but they were originally supposed to be without Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Aveka Zubak, and Montrez Harrell. Well, Look at it now. Shamit's playing. Zubak is playing. Beverly is questionable. And Harrell is questionable. The Lakers aren't at full strength either, as they got Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo definitely out for this game. Even if the worst-case scenario happens, where the Clippers are without Harrell and Beverly, I still think that this line is a little high. And if we get one or both of them back, I think that this should be about Lakers minus two. So the fact that we're getting four and a half right now looks like great value. Best bet, Clippers, plus four and a half. I like it all the way down to plus three. Okay. He's good. We might have an announcement with some prop stuff we're going to be doing for football with the Hitman, 155 pounds. Next up, Diamond Dave Esler. Now, Dave emails me like four times a day. I've never seen him because Dave keeps himself. He, he, he does not need babysat. I mean, you know, some people, talent, 
they need. He's just a grinder, but he's as engaged as I've ever seen him. I'm expecting a good football season. He's got a pick on the NHL series. Ooh, I'm curious, but apprehensive. Let's listen. I love, and I bet the Edmonton Oilers to beat the Chicago Blackhawks in their series, minus 150. Two positive COVID cases in two weeks of training camp and 6,800 tests in the NHL. I guess, first of all, it's no wonder the Blue Jays can't play home games. But with that, this is a sport I will trust the regular season history. First off, these games are in Edmonton. No fans, but familiarity. And this is more about Chicago. Did they really expect to be here? No. If they did, they wouldn't have traded away Lehner and Gustafson at the deadline. Looks like Corey Crawford will play their goalie, but he hasn't seen the live action in forever. He was a COVID victim, and he is their only chance in this series. Edmonton has the best power play unit, score about 30% of the time. Blackhawks power play, terrible, 28th. Blackhawks give up the most high-quality scoring chances of any playoff team, and as fate would have it, Edmonton has the two highest point producers in the NHL. The Blackhawks will want a slow and ugly game. They're not going to get it against the Oilers, who I bet to win the first game and the series at minus 150. I know today my Patriots to miss the playoffs is looking even better. Curious but apprehensive. Fez, that's what she said? Not to me. She did. <laughs> no, she did. All right. Well, yeah, morbidly curious, perhaps. <laughs> I'm always worried when someone goes into a sport they don't typically do, but it's like there's nothing else about I'm going into this one. Like when, whenever you hear someone going, boy, I've been killing that Korean ping pong. You know, Essler's killing the golf. Is he? But he's, he's a golfer. Yeah. He knows, Even he those guys, to me, I believe a golfer that knows what he knows but knows what he doesn't know has an advantage yeah. in golf, right? All right. It's time. Don't know about the people. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go with the Clippers. Regular season wins under five and a half. I love this bet. The Clippers number's been five and a half the past six weeks here since the restart got announced with the schedule. Well, what's changed? Everything has changed. The Clippers have not taken summer camp seriously. They have several players that aren't going to play against the Lakers. Who knows when Lou Williams is going to come back. And even if they do get all their players back for their later games, they haven't had a chance to practice. And I think it's a sign that the Clippers are just not taking summer camp seriously at all. Bottom line, though, you have to make an adjustment for the five and a half wins. Look no further than the first game against the Lakers. They've gone from essentially a 50% chance to win that game to a 33% chance. And that's just for one game. They're losing 0.2 of a game. So I don't understand why the odds makers have not adjusted this number or the betters. Clippers under five and a half wins. Best bet. Those must have been some good wings. <laughs> All right. No, I agree. Now, what's fascinating is if you look at the Clippers' odds to win the NBA title, they haven't moved at all. They have not stayed at plus 320, yes. So they're saying big, big deal early in these seeding games? New word. But doesn't affect the playoffs, but... If the theory was this camp was going to help him, that was built into the number, right? But then again, the dastardly bookie doesn't tend to raise odds on teams. Can't bet to know. No. 
If there's anything cockroaches. we know. Cockroaches, yeah. All right, boys, coming up. It's funny. We took this from earlier. It went a while. In about 20 minutes, if you keep listening, you're going to know every piece of music Steve Fezzik ever bought and how many pieces he has today. Now, I'm a big believer that you don't over tease, meaning I don't want to like say, hey, let me tell you how many pieces of music Fez has. Because uh, when you look you, and find out, it's, you're going to be so shocked. No, no, that's like hack radio stuff. Here's how many he has today. Zero point zero. I wouldn't have the guts to tease that and give it to you unless it was so damn good otherwise. Trust me. You will not think of Steve Fezzik the same way again. And I say that almost every week. And it rarely gets better. Like, you, like you ever see, like, the chart in, like, 1928 to 1931 of the stock market? I, I'm sure I did. I don't recall. Can't be good. Geronimo. It's pretty good. You know, it's funny. There's not. It's almost like... Oh, man, a pink, uh, peak TV, they call it, is, which I think is BS. But there's, if you said I want a good show, there's more good shows today than there were at times over five years in the past. But there's so few great shows. And there's actually a rationale to that. In Hollywood, I think we've talked about this once. The theory is because they're producing so many shows that there's a chance, you know, to get some good ones is just mathematically going to be the case. But now, though, for every DP alighting, every whatever, 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 the blow the line people, as they say, is they're being spread very thin. So back in the day, there might have been, you know, X number of series in production at a time. Now it's 4X and thus just because of the numbers and Quite frankly, it's an art form that keeps evolving, and the basics, best practices, getting you, let's say, to decent is easier to achieve. A percentage goes beyond decent. But the idea of having like an all-star team and doing something like The Sopranos or The Wire decreases because so much talent is spread thin. The kind of guy that would have been the third writer on The Wire has his own series now. Yeah, if there are fewer people, you can find that talent a little bit easier. And frankly, I know from experience that film schools have been pumping out over the last 10 to 15 years large amounts of film school graduates, myself being one. So there is a greater population of people making uh, the content now. Which would lend itself to having better content. Yes, except that... So what do you think is the reason that there is... Do you agree with me that on any reasonable list of the greatest shows of all time, that 99 through 2008, or you know 2009, let's say 10 years, or I guess 2008, um, 10 years, would be better represented than the last 10 years? Yes, I would. What shows do you think are even in the conversation as a top 10 show of all time that's been in production the last five years? That's a great question. Um, anything by Lindelhoff? He just did The Watchmen. So you think The Watchmen and Sopranos? Mm. Uh, you know, if, if Sopranos is a 10, Watchmen is a 7 or 8. 
Okay. So which, what I'm saying is a lot of good, but not great. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think the one show today, and I, listen, I don't watch every show, obviously. There's some real good comedies I hear that I haven't watched yet. We talked about those recently. The Horseman Show or whatever. Bojack. Bojack Horseman. Yeah. yeah. And, but I think Succession fits right in with the best shows of all time. It's only two seasons in. We'll see if it gets better. Gets, but otherwise, and the other show would have been now almost, I think, five years ago. Hannibal. Three seasons of Hannibal are unfreaking believable. Like as good, you watch it and you think, could, could, could something be this good? Now, it's only three seasons, so I don't put Hannibal up there, but it's on the cusp. But I don't know. If anyone, you know, and the shows I think are the best of all time, and I'm uh, in the minority when it comes to the order, but I have Deadwood as the best show of all time. Soprano second, The Wire third, Mad Men fourth, Breaking Bad's in my top 10. I think Breaking Bad is usually higher on people's list. I think Breaking Bad's last season is maybe the best season of TV ever. But I thought the first three years pre-Gus Fring were good, but not as, you know, not great. Or great, but not super great, however you want to say Um. From the old school, NYPD Blue is in my top ten. Now you, you know, now the question is, do you add com- is comedies in this list or not? For me, the comedies, there's two of them. One, The Simpsons, and we can say, well, what about over thirty years? You know, I was coming back from last year's Super Bowl, not the most recent one, and it was. The, you know how on the back of those planes that go, because that was in Atlanta, right? Is they have like a little video thing where you can watch videos, you know, which the big planes that go across the country have that. You know, most people have their personal devices now. So they had a whole streaming thing and they had The Simpsons, like contemporaneous Simpsons. So I hadn't watched The Simpsons in 10 years. Like since the movie came out, I watched it for a while, right when the movie came out again. It was freaking good. It was probably like the seventh funniest show of all time. Like that version of The Simpsons. Well, you were in first class, so you're probably... No, this was the year before. Oh, okay. Yes. I was getting a feed you didn't get, Steve. But so to me, it starts there. Oh, yes, it starts there for, for extended greatness. But when it comes to the highest of the high, like what's the greatest peak that comedy's ever reached now this is gonna be a little old school first four years of cheers when coach is on i get it woody harrelson was a good or woody harrelson was a good actor who's a great actor in some ways have you seen all of Cheers Hollywood? The like, you know, almost all of all of the early years. Yeah, it was a favorite of mine. It was a treat because I was a kid and my parents let me watch it. It it was like the culmination of all the good '70s sitcoms. You know, Mary Tyler Moore was a a great show, and then Taxi was really good. I mean, like shockingly good for the era. Bob Newhart. There was a lot of those. 
MTM Productions, I think is what Mary Tyler Moore had a production company. And then a lot of the veterans of that came over to Cheers, and I think 82 was the first year. It's just so it's it's so good. It's almost like how's it this good? Because it's a sitcom, and I would say if you just remember Cheers from way back in the day, and the whole Kelly, what the hell was her name? Uh, what was the name of the after Shelley Long? The girl who's done Christy way uh, Alley, yeah. And I was thinking the name of her character though. Oh, uh, Rebecca. Rebecca Howe, yeah. Thank you. And to me, those shows were, were like good versions of Three and a Half Men or whatever. I mean, it was a good, you know, churn them out sitcoms. Obviously, everyone was making so much money. There was a subversiveness to those first couple years of Cheers that were just like, it was shocking. I mean, the Sam Malone backstory. Can you see that backstory happening today that he was a, a was a major league pitcher for a year oh no no he was a longtime reds reliever but he was always just on the cusp of like making the team or not and that always plagued him he, he and he was a drinker that yeah. owned a bar so it was great backstory lots of complexity no i agree but there was a real pathos or pathos to the show that that they really initially dealt with the fact that these people spent their lives in a bar yeah i mean like there was a social element to it and they were it was it's almost like that amazing line in the elton john song that's on um almost famous when they said the boulevard ain't so bad or the boulevard is not that bad so i mean think about what that line's saying is these are street kids, effectively, right? Yeah. Without, but they have, just like on Almost Famous, where they were, you know, you're joining the circus kind of thing, is they were on the road together, and they were, you know, obviously the girls were being exploited. They were often underage. All kind of drug use, churn them up, spit them out. But for those people, the connections they made when there wasn't any other ones... The parents weren't the option. It's a one. It's an amazing concept, that and it shows you the perseverance of people. Is even something like that can be okay. And Cheers early did that. Is isn't it sad that Norm hates his wife so much? Vera. It, yeah. Isn't it sad? Did we that, ever meet her? Was she? Always- oh yeah. Well, later there was voice. They always would have the voice okay. later. And then if you think about Cliff Clavin, I mean, he became so funny and so, so much of an archetype. But, I mean, you want to talk about pathos. Yeah. Cliff Clavin. And then Coach. Coach was, I mean, it kind of was a takeoff from being there. Uh, the movie with, there's this guy who seems really limited intellectually. But he has so much wisdom. And the w- coach's wisdom was, uh, it was like Yogi Berra in a way, too. Yeah. Right? Simple. Simple, but he would say, th- you know, it's like when you, you know, you go to the, when you meet a fork in the road, take it, you know, yeah. those kind of things. But there is, that one seems just like, you know, it's not a great example. But the one where it says, that place is so busy, no one goes there anymore. You could spend about 24 hours thinking about that. Yeah. And 
that's why Yogi Berra-isms are still talked about, is they were more than just stupid, right? Because two plus two equals five is stupid, but no one talks about people saying that. They're like Zen puzzles. Yes. And, and then you add in Shelley Long. And the idea of Sam being someone who, on one hand, he's uh, so beloved by the sycophants of the Red Sox, you know, and that's the thing. It wasn't just Sam was good looking and he got girls. It was here's a former major leaguer who's serving us beer, and he's friends. We're friends with him, so he was a hero in that bar. But he had his own like, hey, I didn't go all the way, and or didn't go as far as I could go, and, and he drank. So whatever level he didn't achieve was his doing in a way, because if you didn't get rushed or but. Uh, pushed out of the league because you were drinking, then you probably would have been better. And then to have Diane Chambers come in and he was aspiring to her. That very fact of wanting to be with her meant he was rejecting his life as it currently was. And that shows that he... That 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 pursuit was the was the starting point of the growth, because you meet him when he it's the aftermath of his mistakes, but she wasn't anything to aspire to. She was so full of <laughs> pretentiousness, and thus Sam was the better person oftentimes. And, and you know it's like the cops. You know it's like the wire where the cops are bad, worse oftentimes than the criminals. The PhD, or she probably had four masters and no PhD, but <laughs> was worse in a way. And as he, Sam figured that out, his interest in her decreased, and it probably ran its course. It probably should have been a five-year show. Well, they made so much money, you know, but as art. And this last thing I'll say is the skewering of Diane I mean, these were very intelligent writers saying we don't like these people that are so full of themselves. And let's be honest, they're probably going through a lot of Masters of Fine Arts programs and they've seen these people. I mean, Diane just gets killed. Yeah. I, I mean, most of these writers came out of those programs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they, they're saying they're saying this is the wor- This is like a distillation of all the bad. And she had a good heart. And the way that she bought in, that, that camaraderie pulled her, like the first year or two, she was rejecting all of it. And then finally she got pulled into it. Yeah, it was like a process of admitting something to herself. It was fascinating to watch. Which was, that's a good point, because some of it was her admitting that she wasn't at the level that she should have been at those parties or whatever. Is that This wasn't her level either when it comes to that, you know, academics or whatever. But her trying to be more than she was was the problem all along. And that's maybe what brought she and Sam together. But then with everyone else, it was them not caring enough to want to be all they could be. Yeah. Or loving beer more. No, because they didn't deal with that much. There wasn't a sense of problem drinking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, which would have been a whole different thing, right? I mean, that would have been interesting, at least with one of the characters. And then you think a character like Carla, that's probably the most interesting character in almost every other sitcom, you know, most sitcoms. 
Yeah, she's like in every woman now that I think about it. Struggling. Well, yeah, but I think her sourness about the way the world treated her and then becoming an age where her sexuality was no longer a currency and her rejection of everything because of that. You know, that's, that's, there's great shows around, you know, or great books around that concept. Yeah, you said it earlier. Every character, now that you, you're talking about each one of them, every character exhibited really great pathos. Even but they were all happy most of the time. Yeah, it's a family. Because they were there. Exactly. The boulevard is not that bad. Yeah. Let me ask you something. When you were single and you had the money was flowing, you know, like because you were making a ton and you weren't spending much. Did you have, did, would you do things like take a, you know, take a week and, you know, just not get, you know, like, I don't know, eat pizza and order hookers or well, forget the hookers part. But what I'm saying is it seems like you fantasize about not working more than anyone I've ever met. Like literally there's people I haven't had a job in 10 years. I guess if you don't have a job, you have to fantasize about it. But it seems like the holy grail of life is to do nothing for you. <laughs> I'm serious. Like. Is this something that you always felt, and thus when you had more money you knew what to do with, you would just take off weeks at a time? Like, how did it go? Like, how was May for you, you know, 15 years ago? So, you know, May of 2005, 2005. Well, I was just betting for a living then. Yeah. And so there's no—I was making most of my money during football. So, yeah, May would be, you know— Sleep so, in, go to the gym, you know. You weren't going to the gym that much. Not that much. So what you're saying is literally you'd have seven months on and five months, let's say, at best working quarter quarter speed. Yes. Yeah, I would literally be working like 16 hours a day, six days oh, a week uh, during yeah, football let, season. Let's, let's no, really, go crazy. seriously. Well, got, so, so you worked harder back then? Yes. During football season, but during non-football season, you're right. I would check out and just say, oh, it's, it's off-season. And it all felt right to you. It did. And at no point did it feel like maybe you should give, like, give real money to charity. Like, I'm being serious here. At any point did you feel like by some conflict – because you knew it wasn't anything you did. It's not like you worked really hard to accrue this skill set. It was that your brain – by randomness, just like someone's head of hair, the color of their eyes, the synapses fired a certain way, a, an effective way. The world allowed you to exploit you know, it with these markets. You made enough money to have a mansion and a yacht. And you could take five months with, in your long johns watch, listening to, or uh, watching porn. And lo and behold, you never thought, huh, maybe I should give something back. You could have worked a, like put a month of poker and you could have said, I'm going to play 160 hours of poker in May and I, I'm going to give it all to whatever I win at the end, I'm going to give to charity. Mm. Like, it, but I'm not saying that it was, it's atrocious that you didn't. I'm saying it's beyond atrocious that you didn't even consider it. Like, at no point did you think, I'm too lucky. And I, just for karma's sake, I've got to give something back. Not even think of it. You know, that. there was one instance, and she can corroborate it. My, my secretary, back when I worked at Transamerica in L.A. Right, but you weren't effectively, you weren't that lucky then. You were No, making, but, but yeah, but, but so I, what I'm saying I is, really helped her out in a bad spot. First of all, chari- let, let me explain something. Helping someone you know isn't charity. 
right? That's being a friend to them, right? And I'm not saying it's bad that you did. It's great that you did. I don't know the detail, but it sounds like give us as actually give us as many details as you can. Think about it a second, because I'm interested to hear. Like, was I'm assuming there was money involved. Yes, base, basically. How much? I think it was $2,000. And how, when did she pay you back? She didn't. And that was the plan? You said, I'm going to give you 2000 I just gave her 2000 But what were the terms when you handed it to her? There were no terms. She, she came, she was like half crying, and her husband, there was some issue, and they had kids, and they weren't going to be able to make the rent, and they were like looking to be evicted, and she was... So, so wait a minute. She was working as a secretary at Transamerican, which was a big national company, right? And she worked full-time? Yeah, she worked for me. She was my executive assistant. Executive assistant, full-time. And her husband, was he working? Not really. So he was like a gigolo or something, it sounds like. I don't I, – I, she started to explain I didn't need the explanation. You, so really you were paying the 2000 to shut her up? No, I, I, oh, Tony and I were always friends. Yeah, so – but let's get this straight now. And because I'm, I, listen, I just said it was a wonderful thing. We just want to get the details. It, and then, did you feel like in hindsight she can't? She was putting on the show not because she didn't need the money, but she was hoping you'd give it to her. Oh, not at all. You don't think any? Okay, not at all. And then, how long was it? The first moment that when did you decide to give her the money? Did you go back in the office and think and come back and say, you know, son, or was it in the moment? How did it go down? Well, if I recall correctly, it was the fall and we had just had a super successful week. So, so, so you had like some 16 were hit. Literally I had it in my wallet. Yes. You in that wallet. Um, yeah, the and you just, that was you just took out the money, yeah. rattled off. First of all, how many people have you given $2,000 to out of quote unquote charity in your life? What you're hearing about. What? <laughs> yes. So when I said you just took your wallet out and you go, yeah, yeah. No, this is once in a freaking lifetime. Yes. Let's not shrug off the yeah. This is not a yada, yada, yada. You took out the wallet. Now, did you say anything like how much would it mean to help? Or you said, hey, listen, I'll give her 2000 but that's it. Like, How'd that number get arrived oh, at? Oh, she, she threw out the number. She said But she had no intent. Like, she saw it and said, we need 2000 we need 2000 I mean, like, that seems weird, doesn't it? Didn't seem weird at all. If you were, like, hurting for money, could you imagine crying it but quoting the exact amount? Mackenzie, what do you think? Sounds like she had a few bills in mind, at least, when she came to talk to you in the first place. It just seems weird, the 2000 part, that that was the number. Now, how long, what was the length of time from when you started considering giving her the money till you decided to? Was it like 10 seconds? Like 10 seconds. You were thinking, should I, shouldn't I? Didn't even think about it. Then why did it take 10 seconds? I just threw, I threw it out to be a term for I didn't really think about it at all. I just So when it. I said how many seconds? you might have been one second. So yeah. it was like, you're like, I should just give it yeah. to her. And at the time, were you thinking, did you calculate I'll gain a lot of loyalty from her as a secretary? Were you calculating what? I already had that loyalty. She was always great for me so. so this was you in a way repaying her loyalty yeah okay how did you react when you pulled out the like sat, started saying i'm gonna really happy but not surprised but she wasn't even thinking that you would do it so how wouldn't she be surprised did she say that she said she I'm... asked for help she asked for help. so she asked yeah. and she asked can i borrow it isn't this interesting 
there's a sixth sense about to keep digging in the details. Now, I'm not in any way saying that doesn't make what you did generous. It's a different story than saying I'm going to – I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna offer it. So when we were saying, I think she had a number in mind. It was she gave me the number. Yeah. So <laughs> this was like 1998. I, you know, I don't recall it all that well. Oh, but by coincidence, the way that it's like the bookie that has his number and the numbers wrong all the time to your disadvantage is all of your misrecollections. You know, it makes it where it's it's more of a oh, I'm on the spot now. Okay, and how long was she with you after that? Till 2001. So I don't remember. What year did this start? 1998. Like three years. Okay. And did you feel like you gained, like it was just things kept the same keel? Like yeah, she was, she was good always before, great. So. Good before, good after. Yeah. Okay. And? Never asked me for any other help. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And let me think. I had one more question. Oh, that was it. When it came to the whole borrowing thing, after the initial, here's the money, was it ever spoken of again? One other time. All right, go ahead. So after I left Transamerica, she stayed on. She trained my department. Um, she, she, she took a new position. And then I got uh, depositions. I had to go back. And this was like 2003. So... I went ahead and... Oh, so the depositions over some legal case. Yeah, yeah. Somebody sued Transamerica, so I had, had to do a deposition. I was in the building, so I stopped by to see some people I used to work with. I stopped by to see her, and she was happy to see me. We talked, and I said, oh, and by the way, I said, yeah, don't worry about that situation. And she had this little light in her eye, like she was, she was relieved, but she was not surprised. Yeah, I was like, don't worry about that. I mean been like years and we yeah. hadn't even talked about it once i said so when you, so when you left was it when you left did you contemplate asking for the money no i didn't even think about it so why wouldn't you say just keep it why would no, that's you interesting. you have thought about it years later yeah. but you didn't think about it when you were leaving when she was like like she was holding her breath that whole time exactly. to get the hell out of here i hope i never i bet she had the biggest sigh of relief when you closed that yeah. door yeah oh actually amazingly we've got some Sound footage of after you close the door. <laughs> I mean, I'm not judging. <sighs> now, the, the most fascinating part of all this <laughs> was the idea that that's his charity. That his secretary, who he has to see every day, who has seen him flashing 2,000 like it's nothing... You made a huge mistake pointing out right out of your wallet because it made her feel like it didn't mean anything to you. What you should have done at that point was say, listen, I'm going to have to make some calls. Hmm. And when I mean calls, I mean when I'm taking a number deuce in the bathroom, I'm going to reach into my pocket and pull it out. But I'm going to you know, make a few calls. I can probably have it by the end of the day. Then, all of it, then she feels like, because that's the thing about working class people. If there's someone that doesn't make an hourly they, they think it's magic because they can't comprehend what they're doing because if they could, they'd do it. So there's really – and listen, it's not as hard typically. So there's good reason if someone's like working a back-breaking job that they value their money and they value yours less. But in general, they almost hate you. And that's the irony of all this. She sounds like a nice person, but a lot of people will hate you for giving them the money. 
because now this money that was easy for you to come by, they had to be uh, humiliated to even have to ask. It's, something's wrong with the universe that you, I even have to ask him the way he makes his money. It's just easy for him, some people. And the very act that you give it to them is a reminder that they needed you, which causes them to hate you. Oftentimes, people will hate you over the good things you've done for them if they, uh, not contradict, but if they are an indictment of that person's failings. I'm not going to disagree in general with what you're saying. But, but since you've never done something generous to anyone else, what, what, how would you know? Well, we we just always had a really good relationship. That's what I'm saying. Is it sounds like that wasn't the case? Yeah, with her. And, and part of it was that she had worked for someone else, and I don't. I'm not going to say that why she hadn't been promoted or had wasn't in a in a higher position. But whether it was politics or situations or you know yeah, her yeah, background, yeah. but there was there was things that may have prevented her from you know moving up in the company unfairly because she was very good. And I and ultimately after she left, after I left, she wound up taking. A, a lower level management position. So she moved up in the company. And do, uh, when was the last time you had word of where she was in that? 10 in that? years. So you should look her up. I will. So, like, but there was, it was over 10 years, or about 10 years after you left, you still had, for whatever, it could have been by happenstance, you saw where she was. So, what level was she there? She, she was like the lowest level of a manager, cus, customer service, but she was managing people. Yeah. So she had made no progress in 10 years? You said she yeah, came yeah. in. She, yeah, she hadn't made no progress. So maybe there. you supporting her in that endeavor d did her wrong. I don't know. I mean, you you gave her false hope. I wonder if she blames you for that. I was hoping you were going to say that she like rose up to like almost like, you know like right below vi like a junior vice president and still didn't pay you back. <laughs> that re that reminds Won me. Won the lottery. <laughs> Listen. Didn't hear back. This is, if I had to start from scratch and say, what are your five best Vegas stories ever? Like saying, assume no one's heard any of them. And I don't know about Vegas stories, but stories maybe. This one was almost 20 years ago. That's a tape rewinding. My first best buddy. So like, you know. I moved from the, we, I, we only moved once as a kid. I was four years old. We moved from Belair, which is Joey Galloway's hometown, which was, you know, a couple miles away. That's where I was till I was four. And the buddy was down the street, like six houses down. Seg. Richard was his first, but he called himself Seg. Seggy. His dad was Seggy. So it was Big Seg and Little Seg. And, you know, Salt of the earth type dude, you know, like sports wasn't a great athlete, you know, it just was a, you know, still is a good guy. And, you know, on the same block. So, you know, so I came to Vegas in 98 and right before I left, I spent a year in Columbus. So, you know, I graduated high state, spent a year up there after went left for a couple years, came back for uh, like a year and then said, screw this, I'm going to Vegas. And. At some point in that year, I lent him, I don't know, $600. You know, real money, but... And 
maybe three years after I came to Vegas, two years. So from the time I lent it to him, it was maybe four years. Hadn't paid me back. But again, I'm the type that I'm either going to get the money or I'm going to forget about it, you know. And I haven't, I haven't lent a time. I mean, I lent a lot of people like 500 bucks. Like if you add it all up, it probably, but I've never lent like big money to anyone. Um, you know, that wasn't a business deal or whatever. And we're at the Hard Rock Cafe, SAG. He's in Vegas for a trip. He's playing five quarters in the video poker. Hits a royal. Not a straight flush, a royal. Boom. I think it's a $1,200 payoff, right? That sounds right, doesn't it? For five quarters. Gets paid by the guy. Puts his money in his pocket. Says, you know, I'm going to play a little bit more. Cracks one of those hundreds, starts playing again. No freaking lie. Within half hour, boom, hits another royal. Same as she said. Gets paid again. He puts the money in his pocket. And you can see his brain stinking. And he puts his hand back in his pocket, pulls out. Now, I, let's say I let him find Takes $200 out and says, hey, let me start paying off what I owe you. <laughs> I, and I thought, you know, we now know what it took. It took two royal flush. <laughs> if you know SAG, you know it's true. 